0: of Greece have spoken, but the solution to that nation's economic woes is nowhere in sight. What's next? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, managing editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain podcast. More than 60% of Greek citizens voted last week to reject the draconian austerity pact that European lenders and the International Monetary Fund have demanded in exchange for continuing to bail the country out. But the vote solved nothing. All it did was raise even more serious questions, not just about the fate of Greece, but of the entire Eurozone and European Union. So what happens now? Joining me today with some possible answers is David Lee, Senior Analyst for Western Europe with Control Risks. We tackle what he refers to as the 85 billion euro question. Will Greece withdraw from the eurozone, or for that matter, be kicked out? And if that happens, what will the consequences be? Can Greece dig itself out of this very deep economic hole? Should it have stayed away from the euro in the first place? Was the Eurozone itself a massive mistake? What about other ailing European economies, such as Spain? And, by the way, how did Greece get itself into this mess in the first place? Let's discuss. So here is my conversation with David Lee. David Lee, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Robert. Good to be here.
0: So the Greek voters have turned down the latest austerity plan, a rousing thumbs down. What's next for Greece?
1: Well, that's the €85 billion question, really. The decision that we saw... Um, a 61% no in Greece yesterday is at least clear. There was a lot of fear that it could just be a 50 or a 51% no and that really wouldn't help anyone. But there is a clear decision that the Greek people do reject the way that the negotiations have been going. However, what their prime minister, Alexis Tsipras, is going to do is try and go straight back to the table to negotiate pretty much from where they left off a couple of weeks ago when things broke down. He's going to want to put some debt relief on that table, though, and that's not going to go down very well with a number of the other European countries. So effectively, the 10 days that we've had since the meeting broke down and Tsipras announced the referendum, essentially we've not gained anything.
0: And the European Central Bank and the IMF have shown absolutely no tendency whatsoever to back off of their original demands. There seems to be no indication or no reason why they would. Um, any any reason that we'd have a miracle softening of their position based on this Greek vote?
1: I don't think so. I think all the institutions pretty much think that the vote was more an exercise in drama than it was in democracy. Um, a lot of people both among EU governments and among the ECB and the IMF think that Greece could simply have carried on negotiating – if all they were going to do when they got a no vote was come back and negotiate again. So there is a sense that, well, we're not going to be pushed into changing our position by what looks to us to be a fairly open, dramatic and really unnecessary move.
0: Of course, the big question now on the table is will Greece exit the euro uh, or, for that matter, get kicked out of the eurozone? No one knows the answer, obviously, but what do you think?
1: I think it's very difficult for anybody to make the first move on this. And so if it does happen, it will happen almost by accident organically. So I think what will what will be the most likely way forward is that Greece simply runs out of euros. It can't make its payroll. It can't make its pension payroll. The banks, which have been shut for nine days now, were due to open on the 7th of July, it was uh, announced this afternoon that they won't, they won't open at least until the 9th. So effectively there's going to be a cash shortage and that's only going to get worse as the days go on and it might lead to Greece needing to print some sort of parallel currency, be that uh, official IOUs or a new drachma or something, just to keep some sort of liquidity in the economy. And if that happens, then, well, it's not quite game over, but it's game very nearly over. So I think that's the way it will happen rather than a decree coming down from somewhere that, you know, Greece or country A has been uh, kicked out of the euro. That doesn't seem likely to me.
0: My impression was that Greece was already out of money, effectively. Uh, is that not necessarily the case? They're not 100%
1: broke? I think when you're 99% broke that last 1%, you do anything you can to eke it out. And I think uh, that's pretty much where Greece is now. I mean, Greece can't repay its debt, but it has a degree of liquidity thanks to some of the emergency loans it's been receiving from the European Central Bank recently. I think once that tap's been turned off, and it was turned off last Tuesday when the bailout program finished, no sign of it being turned back on again. I think then it's a matter of days, really, before some of the solution has to be reached. Either there's a new program and that tap can come back on again or, well, the scenario I described a moment ago.
0: At the risk of asking you a question that takes another hour for you to answer. I am <laughs> you know, let's see if we could boil this down. How did Greece get into this mess in the first place?
1: This one goes back decades to be quite honest with you, Robert, it goes back to Greece's emergence from its dictatorship in the mid-70s, when a government took over that was keen on following the example of centre-left governments throughout Europe, but went much more left-wing than that, and introduced a state that really the numbers didn't add up. Now, when centre-right governments took over, they continued with the state that didn't really make the numbers add up, but mostly in the other direction. So we got a state where patronage was really important, where ensuring that no special interest groups were penalised under your leadership became the normal thing. So we have situations where the shipping industry, biggest sector in Greece, pays virtually no tax. We have complicated tax arrangements which make it really easy to avoid. And we have just generally poor collection. So Greece basically has spent a lot and has avoided taxes for or has seen its people not pay their fair share of taxes throughout the income scale, but particularly at the top for a very long time. Now, that probably wasn't going to be sustainable for that much longer when the post 9 11 economic crisis hit the world. That was a relatively small one compared to the one that came along seven or eight years later. But Greece by then was joining the euro and could borrow money at rates that it had never seen before. It borrowed money and it borrowed and it continued to borrow money because it was a good risk, because it was in the euro and because the stronger economies throughout Europe, and that was most of them, in fact, probably all of them, would be expected to bail Greece out if anything went wrong. Now, it transpired that originally Greece's data on which it entered the euro were, to put it bluntly, falsified. So Greece was in a much worse position than anybody realized it was way back in the early 2000s. And that carried on and snowballed throughout the 2000s.
0: You're, you're referring, by the way, to the standards that the uh, those countries entering the euro at that point had to uh, demonstrate that their budget deficits were a certain or only a certain percentage of their total economy is that right and that's they,
1: exactly right yeah the right. Uh, the budget deficit numbers on which Greece entered the euro were later discovered to be totally wrong.
0: And and of course, they probably weren't the only country to gin their numbers in order to get into the eurozone, were they?
1: Nobody else has been proven, but uh, a couple of others are suspected. You're right. So then we get to the global economic crisis, 2008, 2009. Greece isn't affected that badly because there's not that much actual inwards investment and not that much credit-focused investment going on. But when... All of a sudden, lending really dries up. So in the second phase of that uh, crisis, 2009, 2010, 2011, Greece really can't afford to borrow anymore. Its debt is way over 100% of its GDP, the highest in Europe, and it can't finance its debt at the same prices it used to be able to. The debt market gets into a huge panic. The interest rate of the debt market demands for Greek debt fly upwards, and sooner or later, Greece just can't pay its way. That's when the first bailout came. At the end of the first bailout, it still couldn't pay its way, so there was a second one. And the second one was just coming to an end, but the last payment of the, the last tranche of funds, we say, wasn't made because Greece couldn't make that agreement a couple of weeks ago with its creditors. So all the time, Greece's financial position has been getting worse. In exchange for these loans, it's had to hugely cut public spending hugely cut public employment slash its minimum wage slash its pensions and its pensions eligibility all the while people elsewhere in Europe have been saying hey Greece has done nothing to reform itself and to respond to the assistance we've given it whereas actually Greece has done quite a lot but probably not enough so that's how Greece has got here and frankly, there's no good way forward from here, whichever way the referendum had gone and whichever way the leaders of Greece choose to interpret it now. So there's, there are only bad solutions from here.
0: Was it a mistake for Greece to join the Eurozone in the first place?
1: I think looking back on it, almost everybody would agree, yes, that it was. Even with the lack of knowledge that we all had at the time of the numbers being ginned up, as you would say. I think even then there was a real fear that Greece's economy was just too divergent from the big northwestern European economies, the Germany's, Netherlands, France's of this world. A single currency in a zone like that without the ability to you know, transfer funds from one to the other, maintaining, you know, total sovereignty over budgets for individual countries. That's just not a good currency area. And sooner or later, something like this was going to happen.
0: And as you said, access to cheap money, virtually the same interest rates the Germans could get. Yeah. But uh, quite a different economy. We also hear about, uh, for instance, um, Iceland pulling itself out of its uh, economic crisis with the power to, uh, with, because it had its own currency, uh, it had many mm. more arrows in its quiver, so to speak, and, and could use that as as a weapon for improving its economy. Greece didn't have that freedom to devalue its currency because it didn't have
1: one, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. The, the first shot that Greece would have had in its locker would have been to go and devalue its currency and to turn the things it's best at. So attracting European tourists in, managing a shipping industry, which we'll come on to talk to, to talk about later – you know, to make those more attractive and more efficient by having a devalued currency and making it cheaper for people using stronger currencies from elsewhere. It couldn't do that because it was using the strongest currency there was in terms of European reach. So where did it go? It didn't have that. So that was that was the big weapon was, uh, was out of their armory, I'm afraid. Is
0: the Eurozone itself a mistake?
1: I think that's a bigger question, which probably goes on for quite a while i think in the immortal words that were often used about the french revolution it's too early to say while most of the members of the eurozone aren't economies as strong as germany say or the netherlands or finland or places like that most of them are are relatively okay, and few of them are in as parlous a financial position as Greece is. No one's in quite as bad a position as Greece is. And to be honest, the last couple of years, as the situation in Greece has got worse, the situation in places like Spain, Italy, Portugal has got gradually better. So the gap between those countries and Greece has widened a little bit.
0: Yeah. Well, let's, can we talk about some of those other countries? I mean, Greece was just one letter in the acronym PIGS, Portugal, Italy, Greece, Spain, or was that Ireland? I can't remember what the I was.
1: So um, it was Italy, but some people spelt it with two eyes. Okay.
0: But let's talk about Spain for a moment, because Spain sure. is in, uh, at the time, it was in a grievous condition as well, just uh, a year or so ago, and now seems to be at least somewhat on the mend. And I'm wondering, what is the difference in Spain that allows them to at least partially come back and have Greece continue to wallow in such misery?
1: That's a good question. Spain was, for quite a long time, figured to be the greatest danger of contagion from Greece in the Eurozone. And it's gone through its own troubles. It had a banking crisis of its own, Eventually, it had to lean on the EU for a bailout to recapitalize some of its banks, but it was able to repay that money relatively quickly. Um, Spain has a huge unemployment rate. Structurally, it always has. Its unemployment rate is way in the 20s now. It's second only to Greece in the European Union. But Spain's always had the highest or the second highest unemployment in the EU. And while that's obviously a personal tragedy for everybody involved, and is also a big macroeconomic problem as well, the fact that it's higher than everybody else is a situation that everybody's perfectly used to. I think the key thing is that Spain wasn't in as much debt and had a much better prospect of getting to a position where it could pay that debt down than Greece ever did. Spain's actual national debt is not that outrageous compared with the rest of Europe. However, it was the interest payments that needed to pay on that debt back at the height of the crisis in 2011-2012 that was in danger of making it unsustainable. But in terms of debt repayments, Spain's interest rates that it's needed to pay in the last few years have really declined quite sharply and they're almost back to where they were. In fact, for, for a while they were back below where they were before the crisis came. So Spain has had a you know, much better time of it in the last year or so and that shows in the fact that it's now much further out of the mire than it was two or three years ago.
0: My impression is that Spain's original situation was somewhat different from that of Greece. Spain had an enormous construction or real estate bubble that wasn't quite the case in Greece. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's absolutely true. Spain and Ireland were the two fairly similar crises in Europe, and they were probably also the ones that had the most similarity to the original crisis in the US, in that they came out of an economy which dedicated itself hugely to financial services, and particularly the financial services that Financial services that go to finance construction and leisure and housing and internal tourism. Spain has built on agricultural land and on marginal land hugely in the last 40 years and is going to continue to do so. Ireland, the same to an extent. Now, these two countries had that property boom. And all of a sudden, when the credit dried up, nobody could do that anymore. The builders couldn't build and the buyers couldn't buy so that that was the root of the spanish problem really
0: it seems as though spain is exporting its way out of the crisis is that is that correct and if so is that a path out for other countries to follow in europe
1: i think spain is exporting its way out of the crisis i think its companies have learned that they have to be a lot leaner and a lot more export focused In terms of what they do. And the ones that do export have learned that they can't just go for the easy markets. Spain, obviously, has always had very strong links with Latin America when it comes to exporting. But in the last few years, they've sort of cast their net rather more widely. And try and go into markets that previously they might have thought of as too difficult. So Africa, the Middle East, Asia, etc. It also helps that they've got a number of reasonably world-leading industries. So the high-speed rail, for example, that Spain builds is uh, one of the best ones in Europe. And they've won contracts in Asia. They've just built a, a rail system in Saudi Arabia, for example, Also in energy, they're they're very strong in terms of renewable energy. So Spain has its strengths, and its exporters are fast becoming one of those, and that's one of the reasons why it's got, got where it has in the last year or so.
0: Okay, so if exports are possibly the answer, how about this for a scenario? Greece dumps the euro, gets the drachma back, devalues the drachma, all of a sudden its exports become super cheap, and that's a path for Greece to recover through exporting. Is that Uh, a flight of fancy or is that a possibility
1: it's a possibility but the problem with Greece is that it doesn't really have all that many exports that people want it's it's in a good position in a number of minerals but they're minerals that aren't in that great a level of demand they've discovered some gold there as well but they're having trouble getting at that through a combination of geological and political reasons Greece doesn't really have that position to become an export-led economy. But aside from that, it's agriculture, but it has to import almost all its energy. So anything it gains in a lot of exports, it loses by having to buy oil in from pretty much anywhere it can lay its hands on it. So I don't really think that solution is as open to Greece as it is to somewhere like Spain.
0: So what's the big picture of Europe right now in the EU? What do you, impact do you think that these crises will have on the EU as a whole, going forward economically.
1: I think the impact on the eurozone more widely in the EU as a whole is an awful lot less this time than it was two, three years ago. Back then, it was primarily about fear. It was concern of what might happen if Greece collapses. Will it be a domino effect? Will there be contagion? And that impacted on the interest rates on bond payments now in the last couple of years it's been a combination of a realization that nowhere else is in as bad a state as greece and improve governance procedures within the eu and the eurozone and those two things have combined to make the eu slightly more effectively firewalled than it was a couple of years back however there's no doubt that on an economic level and also on a political level an exit from the Eurozone by a country such as Greece will have an impact. Politically, the EU has always been committed to ever-closer union, and joining the, joining the Euro was such an irreversible measure that there was no real procedure written in for anybody leaving or anybody being forced to leave. So a situation like this is basically walking into the unknown, so that's where the EU is. The only people who've ever left the EU were Greenland, a dependency of Denmark, which voted to do so in a fairly close referendum back in the 80s. Now, nobody else has tried to since, and there is until recently there was no procedure for doing so. There's still no procedure for leaving the Eurozone in an orderly fashion. So it's a really difficult one to predict what's going to happen.
0: Politically, these crises have kind of opened the doors in some countries, especially Greece, to extreme left-wing parties, to extreme right-wing parties, and then you throw in kind of the controversial cocktail of immigration. Do these economic crises in some way actually imperil democracy in some countries within Europe?
1: I think that the rise of left-wing and right-wing parties and in some countries both, Greece again being the best example of that, is a multi-factor situation. Yes, you've got immigration. Yes, you've got the internet and you've got social media by which these parties can get their message across much more effectively, much more frequently and with a lot less filtering than they could ever do before. So I think those are two of the really big factors behind this. And we see that with people like the United Kingdom Independence Party in the UK, all across the Nordic countries, the National Front in France, left-wing parties, we see it with Podemos in Spain, we see it with the Five Star Movement in Italy, and we see it with Syriza in Greece. And I think that's probably going to continue for a few years yet.
0: Well, it seems like right now there are nothing but questions out there. But, David Lee, I want to thank you for helping to give us maybe some preliminary answers. Uh, obviously, we'll be following these events with great interest over the coming days and weeks, but it's been very helpful to give us this perspective of the way things stand now. So thank you so much for being with us.
1: Thank you for having me to join you. you.
0: That was my conversation with David Lee of Control Risks, talking about the future of Greece, the Eurozone, and the European Union. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at scbrain.